Pulled out a ring and said, Marry me, Juliet, you'll never have to be alone. I love you, and that's all I really know. I talk to your dad, let's pick out a white dress. It's a love story, baby, just say yes. Ho <laughs> ho! Whoa ho ho! We were both young when I first saw. The Outcast. Hey folks, this is Rish Outfield, and I can hear you what you're saying right now. Rish, why didn't you do Message to My Girl? Why didn't you have fake Sean Connery do that song, Since if that's the title of this episode? And you're very perceptive. You're very wise to have said that. <laughs> I'm imagining things, because there's no way any of you said, oh, message to my girl, that's a uh, Split Ends song uh, that he got the title for this story from. I know that. The, the Split Ends song is obscure enough, I don't even know it. Uh, Gino may know it, but now I have to put in that truly offensive drop. I am recording this. On February 14th, Valentine's Day. And a couple of days ago, I thought about doing a Valentine's Day episode. But like I said, it was a couple of days ago. It wasn't, you know, weeks in advance or even a week in advance. It was hours in advance. I guess 48 hours or so. I frankly decided uh, it was not worth it. It was not something that I was passionate about. It was not something that I... I wanted to do. I, I did have a couple of potential stories. And there was a Lara and the Witch story that I wrote last year for Valentine's Day that I had considered running this year for Valentine's Day. But I didn't finish it in time. Uh, as At the time of this recording, I have been doing the Daily Outcast, a marathon of daily episodes that I meant to start on the 1st of January and ended up starting on the 15th of January. Those were going until the 15th or 16th of February. And they were so much more work than I thought that they would be. But th th remember that's, that's Outfield's Law. Everything always takes longer than you think that it will. I, I, I would love that to become something I am known for. Anyhow, I didn't manage the uh, Lara and the Witch story because I was so focused on these daily things. But here we are, and the daily things are done. That means I can go on to something else. And so I will try to jump on that uh, Lara and the Witch story as soon as I can. And uh, there, there are a bunch of other like similar projects, smaller projects, that I would like to jump on and get done. I imagine it would take me two recording sessions to do the Lara and the Witch thing, but boy, it could be three. And I considered doing Pizza Triangle, which was the story that I wrote about working at a pizza place that I had meant to write for 10 years, 15 years? Maybe not 15. That one's going to take two or three days or four or five, who knows. I've just got a little bit too much stuff on my plate right now. 
And that's one of the great lies that we tell ourselves in this country, in any country, I'm sure. One day I'll get to it. One day I'll have the time to get to that. One day things won't be quite so hectic. One day when I have nothing else to do, I will work on that. You'll always have something to fill the time. Always. So it's just a matter of prioritizing and saying, you know, I know that I'm busy and I know that I am tired, but I'm going to work on X right now in place of something else that I could do or should do or would like to do. It's no fun sometimes, but other times it can be fun. One of my goals for 20, oh geez, 2019, 2020 and 21 was to put out a, an audio collection, my fourth volume of audio stories. The, the volume is called Who Can It Be Now? and Other Stories. And I put it off for ever, essentially. But it's been one of my goals all these years, and this time I'm, I'm going to make it happen. Now that I'm not doing the daily writing anymore, I'm putting some of that effort in other places. Now, granted, some of the effort that I used to do in my blogging and, and my writing daily has gone to watching television. And that has been interesting. That has been nice. But I need to put a lot of it onto recording and publishing. And I, uh, I'm going to do it. So I was compiling just last week the fourth volume. Basically what it takes is I already had a menu. I already had a, a contents, you know, a table of contents from 2019. And I think I had added to it in 2020 and probably done something at the beginning of 2021 when, when you're thinking of these resolutions. But what I did was I was gathering all of the text from the various stories and plugging them into this larger document. And then when it was done, I would do the word count on it and compare it to volumes one, two, and three. And if it had pretty much the same number of words, then it would be good. Then I would finalize it and say, that's it. All right, let's, let's uh, publish this. But it was a tiny bit short, just a tiny bit. And so I thought, well, let me find stories that I have recorded in, in 2021. And we'll put a couple of them on this collection. So it, it's got a couple extra stories and it will, the length will expand. And one of them that I saw was Message to My Girl. I had written that, but I had not recorded it. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this right now. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to record Message to My Girl. It was a story that I wrote in 2020. I sat down and recorded it. And as I was recording it, I thought, huh, this could be a Valentine's Day episode. But it was too late. So it's going into that collection. And uh, because I needed episodes and because it's Valentine's Day, I thought, well, what if I recorded an episode for it on Valentine's Day? And I'll explain that it's not going to drop for Valentine's Day. And I'm not going to wait a year and have it be my Valentine's 2023 episode. But that's what I'm going to share with you right now is this story. It is very short. It is very slight. 
It is very, something else that starts with an S, something that you wouldn't guess, it w I would categorize it as short, slight, stubby. There you go. It is called Message to My Girl, and it is uh, something that you may or may not enjoy. And if you don't enjoy it, then I won't see you on the other side. But if you do, I'll meet you in just a few minutes. Message to My Girl by Rish Outfield. I was walking through the Target store, my mind not really much on shopping, when I got the sign. Or rather, when I saw the sign. I took a mental step away from my thoughts of Christina as I focused on the two words in front of me. Message her. It was some kind of clock or electronic sign, several of them, on an end cap display. But to me, it was so much more than that. It was an answer to my concerns in general and my question specifically of what I should do. Just that morning, I heard the Again song we had sang together on the night we fell in love, playing just as my clock radio alarm woke me up, when it always did. And I couldn't stop thinking about Christina ever since. Was she thinking about me? Did that song still mean something to her, too? Had she moved on completely? Did she regret ever being with me? Or, like me, did she long to take my hand once again and have it not feel empty anymore, just like my heart? Message her, the sign said. And not only did it give me a pretty good suggestion, but it was a literal sign right before my eyes. Already my brain was explaining the song and the two words as coincidence, but I was determined not to give in to my stupid brain yet again. Okay, I said, and got my phone out of my pocket. I took a little breath as I opened up my text messages and composed a new one to Christina! Exclamation point, as she had entered it in my phone over a year before. The first message in months. Thinking of you. Wonder if you do the same. It was simple, and not too threatening, not too serious, not too emotional. But immediately I got second thoughts about sending it. We had broken up, and it had not been an amicable split. Our final argument, over nothing really, had not been pretty, and the last time I'd spoken to her she'd been cold and judgmental and I'd been dismissive of her and everything we'd had together. She'd hurt me, so I hurt her back. And now hurt was all I had. I hit send before I could think myself out of it. The text was out of my hands now. What if she didn't respond? What if she rolled her eyes when she saw who it was from? What if she was with another guy right now? and a message from me was the furthest thing from welcome. Well, it didn't matter now. 
the sign had spoken, and I had obeyed. And really, seeing that revelation here in Target was just the icing on the cake. As I had been playing and replaying the greatest hits of our relationship this whole day, ever since that song had woken me up, I got a text back. All the time, came the reply, in all caps. Whoa. I took a few steps, nearly bumping into an abandoned cart, and walked over to the housewares department, not really aware until that moment what housewares even were. Christina had texted me back. Our first communication since April. I typed another quick response, before I could get cold feet about it. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry about, about everything. everything. Hope, Hope you're, you're good. good. Before I sent it, I tried to remember if it was supposed to be good or well. I actually spoke the phrase aloud, trying it both ways. It sounded better with well, so I changed it and hit send with the corrected grammar. I didn't want her thinking I was an idiot in such a crucial moment as this. I realized my heart was beating pretty furiously, and the hand holding my phone had started to sweat. Apparently, I was thirteen years old again, at the Pickle Days dance, trying to find the guts to ask McKenna Tanny to dance just one song with me. My phone rang, and I nearly dropped it. I caught it, though, pressing the answer button and lifting it to my ear. Hello? I heard her voice. So familiar. But wow, so unfamiliar at the same time. I'm sorry, too. Christina said. And it all came flooding back. The good times we'd shared, the laughs and the comfort and the intimacy and the tidal wave of emotions I had experienced with her, thinking I could never feel anything as profound about another human being as I did at that moment. It was as if no time had passed, as if nothing had changed. I've been thinking about you all day, I said. I can't explain it. But everything reminds me of you. Just today? She asked, seemingly flirty, but who knew what she was thinking any more? Certainly not me. Well, my brain was telling me to push on the brakes, to keep my cards closer to my vest, or chest, or however the saying goes. But I pushed that thought away. Well, all the time, really, but yeah, especially today. Literally from the moment I woke up today. Did you hear? She started to ask. But I had to get it out now. I was wandering around in the target aisles, oblivious to anything but the voice on the phone, seeing her face in my mind, the shape of her mouth, what her eyes did when she smiled. I heard that Lenny Kravitz song when my alarm went off this morning. I told her. And... The words hit me like they never did before. All of my life, where have you been? I wonder if I'll ever see you again. <laughs> and all day long, I've heard it echoing in my head, as though I... She said my name, loudly. And I guess it was the second or third time she'd said it, trying to get me to stop talking. That couldn't be good. I shut up, my shoulders sagging a little bit, 
preparing myself to hear her say she'd found somebody else, somebody who deserved her, and that she'd never loved me. And how could she? How could anyone? But instead, she said, I requested that song. I called them at seven in the morning, asking if they'd play it at 8.30 exactly, because I remembered that's when you used to wake up. I hoped you'd still listen to that station, but I— You requested that song for me? My mouth was agape, but I could do nothing about it. Yeah, I just—when I didn't hear from you, I figured you'd changed stations, or got up later now, or just use your phone to wake you up like a regular person. But then you texted and— I took a big, hissing breath. I can't imagine what it sounded like through the phone. Holy cow, Christina. I don't believe it. <laughs> Why would you request our song if you wanted to hear from me? Why not just text me or email me or call me up? I don't know, she said, and she sounded more vulnerable than I remembered her being. I was always the vulnerable one when we were together, something I'd never been able to help when it came to her. I guess I was scared. We didn't exactly part as the closest of friends. The way she said it, I thought that might be a line from the song. Or a line from a song. Christina had known them all. Half the songs on the radio, even months after our breakup, reminded me of her. I, I was stupid, I said. I didn't know what I had. Or I did, I guess. I really did, but I shouldn't have let it fall apart. And over something so meaningless, I... Personal politics aren't meaningless, she told me. I should have respected your feelings. We could have weathered that. I shouldn't have... And it sounded very much like she was crying. Now I wanted to cry, too. Something was welling up inside me, and I wasn't sure if it was joy or love or regret or hope or the simple desperation of a man lost at sea that thinks he glimpses a ship approaching. I can't believe you requested that song, I whispered, and my breath actually hitched inside my chest. Wow. I can't believe it worked. And then I remembered the best part, the reason I'd sent the text in the first place. I walked out of housewares and back the way I had come. My mouth wanted to grin like a crazy person. Tears were in my eyes now, and a red-shirted Target employee looked at me with understandable concern. Is there anything I can help you with, sir? No, no, I said with a smile, when I hoped looked sane and normal. I may end up being all right after all. He gave me a squinting assessment, then went back to whatever he was doing with the hand scanner he held. Into the phone I said, Christina, here's the craziest thing. I'm in Target right now, and I— The big one or the little one? She wondered. The, the big one. The little one never has anything. I like the little one, she said and that was fine. I'd like whatever she told me to like. At this point, if she'd take me back, 
I'd like back pain and constipation and sunburn and black licorice jelly beans. So I was walking through Target, and I see this sign, and it says... I stopped in my tracks. From this angle, I could see the end cap more clearly. Or rather, I could see what the product said on it more clearly. It was a window sign with an LED screen, like you'd put in the entrance to a store or on a display, and it said, Message Here. As in, you can set this thing up to say whatever you want it to. Not Message Her. Message Here. Oh, shit, I muttered. What? What is it? My ex-girlfriend was asking over the phone. I gritted my teeth and swallowed. My saliva tasted thick and sour all of a sudden. I got this wrong, Christina. It wasn't a sign at all. Just a misunderstanding. What? What was a misun- Here. Not her, I breathed. I looked around me. The Target employee was nowhere to be seen, but if he were, he'd be witnessing a celebrity in his midst, the prince of all idiots. My brain had been right. Here, I mumbled again. Christina said my name again. What are you talking about? I wasted your time, I said. Sorry. And I hung up the phone. The end. No more empty self-possession. Visions swept under the mat. It's no New Year's resolution. It's more than that. Well, there was that story. Ding! I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did not, I totally get that. It's mostly one of those stories that's meant to be unenjoyed, disenjoyed, anti-enjoyed. I write one of those about every other year. Unfortunately, they always end up on the Rish Outcast. This was written in 2020, during that period when I was writing every single day, and it was for the most part, not a chore. It became a chore after a little while, and there, there were times early on that it was choreful as well, but like all things, sometimes you're into it and sometimes you're not. Sometimes your heart is in it, and sometimes it just is like pulling teeth. And um, as the year became two, the teeth-pulling metaphor became stronger and stronger, but... Uh, this was one that I wrote in 2020, and as far as I know, I wrote it all in one sitting, and that never happens. I mean, it never happens because the stories tend to be long, and this was very short. I think I wrote it on like a Sunday night on my mom's computer and then just emailed it to me, to myself, and um, that's all I got to say about it. Thank you for listening. This show is produced under a Creative Commons attribution 3.0, no derivatives. License. All right, no, 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 it was just a joke. Which means you can. Hey, it was just a listen joke. Listen to the file, shh, you shh, can shh. download it.
Okay, I'll just go on. You can wipe your ass with it. Essentially, this happened to me. This exact story was something that happened. I walked into Target and I saw this display of boards, of, of announcement board kind of things where you can put your message here. But because of the way that it was angled, it looked like message her. And around this time, I had had that girl that I was so into and she was really, really big on posting on Instagram. And uh, I would get it into my head, oh, this would be a really funny thing to comment. Oh, this would be a clever thing to comment. But I would always be afraid to comment. It, it's, it's, it makes no sense. But it is, you know, I, but I felt what I felt. I just, I felt like, unless I had just the funniest darn thing to say, that I shouldn't comment, that I, I shouldn't draw attention to myself, that I should lurk which is even more creepy, I suppose, a characteristic than commenting on somebody's Instagram. But that's the first thing that I thought of. When I saw message her, I thought, oh, boy, that's interesting. Message her. You know, it seems like an awfully specific message to be put on there. I, I, that's str- And then I took a few more steps and I saw that it said message here, which made more sense. And that's it. That's where the story came from. I, I, I kept thinking about it and thinking about somebody who took it, literally, who took it like it was some kind of sign. These two star-crossed lovers were meant to be together or something like that. And I made up the whole Lenny Kravitz song thing as just something that would be uh, a shared moment that they had. You know, it's not, that, it's not a huge thing, but sometimes... These little shared moments are significant. They are, they are the basis for relationships. And as I said earlier, this is one of those stories that falls into the category of FU stories. One of the very first Rish Outcasts that I ever did was the uh, subtext episode. And uh, one thing that I, I have noticed in my watching of television these past few weeks has been that desperate need on sitcoms to prevent the main male character and his love interest from getting together. They understand that when it's a television show and we like these characters, we start to put our own wants and aspirations on these characters. We see them week after week and we relate to them, and we hope that they have a happy ending. We hope that these two kids can get together. Oh, geez, I really wish you two kids could get together. And I was talking to my friend Jeff the other day about The Office, and that um, I was living in Los Angeles when the John Krasinski character and the Jenna Fisher character got together. And there were people that were at my workplace they were so moved by it and crying and cheering and, and that. And it just, it upset me. But it's hypocritical because there have been so many shows that I have watched where I just longed for the characters to get together, where somehow I was living vicariously through them. And if they could only kiss, if they could only swap some spit or something, then my life will have meaning. 
the, the classic example that most people go to is Cheers or Moonlighting. And uh, I was there for both of those. But Moonlighting is always held up as a cautionary tale that you can't have your characters get together or it ruins everything. I, I disagree with that. I, I think that that is a misreading of what happened on Moonlighting. There were many factors that led to Moonlighting's demise. And maybe that was one of them, but it was not the chief one. But that is the lesson that everybody gets. And so I will see these totally spurious, stupid, backwards, idiotic reasons for the characters not to get together. And it's not just sitcoms that do it, too. My roommates and I would watch Smallville every week. I think it was on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. And we would watch Smallville and... The guys would invite like their girlfriends or potential girlfriends over to watch with us. And that was kind of interesting because there were girls that came over every week. And uh, we so were supposed to want Clark and Lana to get together. And they would keep coming up with reasons for them not to. And that show had also the sci-fi element to it, which made it much, much, much more melodramatic and spurious and they were always hitting Lana over the head so that Clark could rescue her, but she would not know that he had rescued her so that they could continue to keep them apart. And that. And uh, I've been watching this show, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and there's that aspect on that show as well. And it's like, oh gosh, if those kids could only... Oh no, they didn't. And you can see the writers putting up arbitrary barriers to keep those characters apart for fear that people will stop watching, I guess, or for fear that the sexual tension will be broken. And look, I, I get that. I do. And, and, and the best example in my life was Friends. Because from the very first episode, you were supposed to want Ross and Rachel to get together. And they were able to draw that out for a decade. Part of it was that they would get them together and they would be together. They would be happy for a couple of episodes and then they'd come up with a reason to split them up and then Ross would have a new girlfriend or Rachel would have a new boyfriend or now let's focus on Chandler and Monica. And they focused on them for three or four years. It was really brilliant the way they shifted the focus. Uh, but there was always the Ross and Rachel thing creeping back in and eventually they brought in uh, Paul Rudd to be a Phoebe love interest, to try and put some of the focus on that too, which uh, I guess worked. I never cared who Phoebe got together with, but there was a love triangle with Joey and Ross <laughs> and Rachel, not, not Joey, for a season or two. And there was Tom Selleck's character, Richard, who would come in. I don't know. I don't know. Richard was a love interest for Monica. Oh, Bruce Willis came in. You remember that? He was a love interest for, for Rachel for a little while. You know, they, they were really trying hard to have the show be about a bunch of friends and the problem of the week and silliness and baby ducklings and ugly naked guys and, you know, office politics and all sorts of stuff. But to keep that thing going, the will they won't th they going for so long, that that is remarkable. It really is. I, I am surprised and impressed by how long 
They kept it going. And the fact that people still cared. Now, by the time Friends ended, I think that people cared less. But they still managed. You know, they get these the, the Ross and Rachel together in the final episode. And, it might, you know, it might have been the penultimate episode. They're, but then, then the series is ending. So why not have them just put all of their silly, stupid, we were on a break, uh, bickering disagreements on hold and say, yep, now these two can get together. And, and that's the thing about a season, sorry, a series finale is that you can, you can do that. You can finally have them get together because it's ending. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is that the reason that these two don't get together in this story, despite the overtures that she makes, which are wonderful, this girl seems really great, are as spurious and arbitrary and flimsy as the worst of the sitcom reasons. I could talk about sitcoms and sitcom logic and stuff quite a bit, but it would come off as hating sitcoms, you know, in the same way that when I talked about the people crying that John Krasinski and Jenna Fisher got together, it sounded like I was being critical of them, like, you know, these stupid bastards actually cried. Something that they'll do over and over and over again is that they will have one of the partners fall in love with somebody else. They get together, they get a new boyfriend, they get a new girlfriend. It's usually a boyfriend. And um, everything's great. Everything's wonderful until they need it to not be. And then suddenly there's something super wrong with this boyfriend. He turns out to be a complete moron or douche or a racist or, you know, a super jealous kind of guy. And they did do it with Ross on Friends when we're, there was the English girl that he was with and she was totally nice and not evil in any way. And uh, then Ross says Rachel at their wedding, if you recall. I think Emily was her character's name. And she becomes this hateful shrew. No, you know what? She became this hateful character at the very end of the season prior when she said, we're getting married in England and Rachel is not invited. And he's like, oh, but Rachel is one of my closest friends. And she says, you're going to have to choose, Ross, between Rachel and me. And he's like, oh, don't make me do that. And yeah, they vilified that character. But they always do that on these shows. And they did it on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where Amy had this boyfriend who's totally... He's perfectly cromulent. Then, when he's fulfilled his usefulness, so to speak, then he has these flaws and he turns out to be this big bore and they're not compatible. And maybe that happens in real life, too. When the honeymoon is over, when everything is not new anymore, that you start to say, oh, geez, he does scratch his scrotum a lot. I know that was a real sticking point on the will-they-won't-they of uh, Touched by an Angel. But I do hate that. I do hate when the girl has a boyfriend who's just an utter scumbag. And uh, you have to wonder, well, what? why would she be with somebody like that in the first place? He's a scumbag. But it's just, you know, it's just, these are crutches. These are things that the, the writers do to get their point across. And sometimes they do it 
very well. Like for the most part, they did on Friends and sometimes they do it very, very badly. I always had a hard time watching Dawson's Creek because it was so heavy handed. This, uh, you know, the characters can't get together because of a misunderstanding or because of, you know, somebody overreacting to something else. And I talk about Dawson's Creek a lot for a show that I didn't really watch that much. Essentially, I watched it for a season, and it was just too frustrating <laughs> to go on. But I did go back when DVDs were invented and watched the first season. And the first season was quite good, but it was still that. She wants to be with him, but he wants to be with her. She doesn't know what she wants kind of thing. And I always felt like I was a little too old to watch Dawson's Creek, too. I felt, I felt guilty. I felt like, like well, I had a roommate, and he, he had bought a DVD copy of Batman and Robin. And I said, dude, why, why would you buy this? And he said, well, uh, it's, it's spanking material, frankly. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Um, I'm going to walk over here now. It's like, I wish I hadn't brought that up. Anyhow... I don't have anything more to say about this episode. Frankly, I had very little to say to begin with. But I'm, I am trying, trying to get episodes out. It's, <laughs> it's hard. But at least uh, these episodes tend to be shorter, which is great for me for the editing. For you, I'm not sure. Maybe you like episodes to be short. Feel free to talk to me about television shows where you were the most invested in seeing characters get together, where they had completely reeled you in. And, and conversely, if you want, uh, you can talk about shows where it didn't work, where we're supposed to just long for these two to jump in the sack together, and what we'd really like is for them to jump off a cliff together. So there you go, food for thought. Thank you for listening. I have been Rish Outfield, and uh, message her. Good night. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. This burlap sack filled with squirming madness was produced under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 3.0 license. That sounds crazy too, I realize, but it means that you may download and copy the files free of charge, but they do not belong to you. Hence, you cannot charge for them or alter them for your own perfidious purposes. Wow, perfidious? Yes, like your taint. Wait, what? Perfidious. I'm not sure the word can be used that way. And I'm not sure a Sean Connery impression can be used this way, boy. And yet here we are. Oh, fair enough. Please continue. The music used in the episode was provided by Sir Kevin MacLeod available from his website incompetech.com under its own Creative Commons license. And I urge you to consider going to www.patreon.com forward slash Rish Outfield to support the show if you would enjoy more of this madness. Good night. If you'll give me just a minute, I've got to flush the toilet rather violently. Woof!
That is... That's gross even even for me. Uh, there are people out there that just love it. But, you know, it's... Uh, the, the, the people that just... They look forward to it and they'll take like a book and stuff. And I, I get that it's a solitary activity that's... I just realized that I'm speaking aloud instead of thinking. This is what happens at the cabin. Really, really stupid. Like I'm going to include my musings about moving my bowels. Just a moment, I got a taint for you. Christmas Eve in the Blue Chamber by Jerome K. Jerome. Wait a minute, how, how can somebody be named Jerome K. Jerome? That's like Major Major in Catch-22, who they promote to Major just because of the confusion. Ah, they had missed it the last time they tried, and ended up spending, and ended up, and ended up spending $11, and ended up, and ended up spending $11 between them on milkshakes. But it didn't matter. It was too late now. It was too late now. But it didn't matter. It was too late to take it back now. But it didn't matter. But, but it didn't matter. The cat that curiosity killed was out of the bag now. Personal politics aren't meaningless, she told me. I should have respected your feelings. <laughs> but I wasn't about to give in to my stupid brain yet again. <laughs> and I hung up the phone. The end. Some dark shit, kid.